You know, having childlike faith is resting in peacefulness, knowing that your mom is driving you somewhere and you'll be safe. It's knowing that if you jump into the arms of your father while standing on the edge of a pool, you'll be safe. You know, it's that kind of peace that God offers us. And in today's message, Ben Johnson talks about that peace, that peace we can find even in the midst of a storm. And be sure to listen to the end here. There's a song that was written about that peace, about knowing that God is God and he's in control and he loves us no matter what. We, we can trust in him and have peace. Here's Ben Johnson. So as I mentioned, we're starting this new series where we're talking about being thankful for the things that we have been given in full by God. And we're talking today about His peace. His peace. Uh, uh, it comes at a, a perfect time, even though I, I can't even tell you the exact time when this sermon series was written. But the fact that this falls about, what, three days before midterms, right? In the climate we're living in right now, which seems so far away from peace and peaceful living. We're going to jump right in. This is what Jesus promised in John 14. When he's about to leave his disciples, he's, he's going, he's going to ascend back to the Father. And he said to his disciples, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Now read this with me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Or let them be afraid. So Jesus promised his disciples that he was going to give to them one of the greatest blessings that, that, that they could ever receive, and that would be the gift of his peace. Peace is not abstract. Peace is not an idea or a state of mind. It, it's not something you can, you can achieve within yourself. That you can schedule your life so well that you finally have peace. Or that you can make so much money that now you have peace. Peace is a person. Peace is the person of Jesus Christ. When someone says, I want more peace of mind, what they're, what they're saying without saying it is, I, I need more Jesus in my head. When someone's like, I want peace of heart, they're saying without saying, I want more Jesus in my heart. When someone's saying, I want peace in this world, they're saying, man, we need Jesus in this world. Peace is not abstract. It is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus promised, my peace I'm going to give to you, that, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I am going to put my presence inside of you. And, and what I give to you is something that the world cannot give to you. You'll never find this in anything found in the world. 
I give you my peace. Jesus says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to be the guarantee, the down payment, the seal that says, you have peace with me. There's peace between you and God, and this is going to lead to, to peace with others. The word peace in, in Hebrew is the word shalom. And then in the New Testament, the Greek word for peace is arene. And, and both of them have a similar force or meaning to it. It means a total holistic well-being. Total holistic well-being. Meaning emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. There's a sense of peace. And not just a sense as in like one of our senses. There is peace, a groundedness, a firmness, a stability of who we are. So as Jesus talks about peace... He's going to talk about it differently than you're going to hear the world talk about it. See, to Jesus, it's not the absence of danger, the absence of turmoil, or the absence of confusion, or the absence of suffering that brings about peace. In fact, what Jesus said, it's the presence of God in the midst of those things that bring us peace. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. We live in a climate right now that is so far absent from from the aspect of peace. Isaiah likens the absence of peace to that of a a raging sea. Uh, This is what he says in Isaiah 57. It says, But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet. Its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. No peace. What does no peace look like? It looks like a turbulent sea. It feels like a sense of chaos, of rolling. So we're going to roll with this imagery as we talk about a really incredible story in Mark 4 of this exact scenario playing out with Jesus as we talk about the peace of God. So if you've got a Bible or a device, open on up Mark 4. Mark 4, chapters 35 to 41. Jesus has been teaching all day, and he wants to get a little alone time, wants to kind of get away from the crowds, and so he hops in a boat with his disciples and said, let's go to the other side of the lake. This would have been a Sunday drive, all right? This is casual, especially for seasoned fishermen. This is like, all right, we're just going to kind of go over there. And yet the entire situation flips on its head. I'm just going to read it. You can follow along. It says, on that day when evening had come... He said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And it says, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling up. But he was in the stern, that being Jesus, and he was asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are are perishing? And Jesus awoke, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, be peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm and he said to them, why are you so afraid? What are you afraid of? Have you still no faith? 
And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? In this context, these storms were considered demonic in nature. There was great fear of the sea. So as they're sailing across, this, this unbelievable windstorm comes up. Now this, we know this is not your run-of-the-mill windstorm or some little thing. These guys are used to storms. They're used to the waves. I mean, they're fish, a lot of them are fishermen. They're used to this. But this one is different. And the, it says the, the waves are breaking over the side. There's a sense of chaos, of turmoil being flung about. There's a sense of lack of peace. When we're in the throes of it in life, there's an intensity to the things that are causing lack of peace in our life. There's a hyperfixation that can happen when we're in the throes of it. I mean, think of a time in your life when you were going through something. Could have been health-related, financial, relationship-driven, maybe something with school, something at work, whatever it might be. Isn't it true that we get just really hyper-fixated on it? Like, it's like we can't see anything else. And, and, and the other thing is, is, man, whenever we're in the throes of it, oh, we just want to drag people into that space. In fact, we get frustrated if other people don't meet the intensity level of whatever's going on. I remember a few weeks ago, I was talking with this, with this guy, and, and, and something political got brought up. It's the climate we're in. He brought it up, and man, you could see him just start getting agitated. And he's like, and then he looked at me with a finger, which by the way is always going to make me probably not agree with you. And he's like, don't you agree? And it was like, no. What? How can you not? I go, listen, man, I, like, I might, like, I don't know about this particular policy or issue you're all fired up about, but I don't agree that it's worth getting angry about. And I looked at him, I said, what are you afraid of? Like, if things don't go the way you think they should go, what are you afraid of? What do you think is going to happen? See, he wanted, he wanted me to meet his intensity level on this thing. He wanted me to get fired up. So it's interesting that in this story, the disciples are freaking out, the waves are coming, and, and where's Jesus? It says he's taking a nap. How dare, how dare Jesus? What, catch some beauty rest? And we're going to die. And they wake him up. And you catch how they wake him up? They call out his character because hurting people will hurt people. And it's naturally what we do when you're in the throes of it. It's so easy to call out people's character. You see it on the news all the time. No longer is it about policy. It's just about denouncing someone's character. It's like, this person is bad. Don't vote. And it's like, I don't know what you're for. Well, you should know what I'm against. Them. And you're like, I don't think that's a platform. Like, when did that become politics? When you just step up on milk crates and just be like, evil, 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 but I'm good. And you're like, you're suspect. Tr is that true? I'm not lying. 
It's just blasting people's character because hurting people hurt people. So the disciples wake up Jesus and they go, Jesus, don't you care that we're, that we're, don't you care? Jesus, to Jesus, the son of God. Like what's Jesus going to say? Be like, not really. Like what? So Jesus wakes up. It says he looks at the wind. He corrects it, rebukes it. Cut it out. He looks at the sea. It says, be still, be at peace, meaning be muzzled. It's the same thing Jesus said to the demons when they were yelling at him. It was like, be quiet, be muzzled. Like, cut it out. Then there's a great calm. And it's interesting that the disciples are just as afraid of the calm as they are of the storm. And then Jesus turns back to his disciples and he says, what are you afraid of? Where's your faith? Did you really believe that the boat was keeping you safe? You think I'm going to come all the way from heaven with the purpose and plan to go to a cross to pay for the sins of all humanity and rise again. And I've told you this is what I'm going to do. And you think a storm is going to disrupt my plans? Like somehow this storm and then we all just drowned and we're like, well, he had a good plan, but it was a tough storm. Like Jesus is like, what are you? I walk on water. I will do it on multiple occasions. I am in control of the law of gravity, which, by the way, is what causes drowning. See, Jesus looks at his disciples. It was the boat? Is that what you put your faith in? The boat? See, the peace of God did not happen in this story when Jesus calmed the storm. The peace of God happened when Jesus got in the boat. Jesus doesn't promise he's going to calm the storm. He promises I'm going to be in the boat. He doesn't promise that every piece of wind and every turmoil and every sloshing wave, he's going to settle down for you. What he promises is I'll be in the boat with you. You have... Never gone through something that Jesus wasn't in the boat. There's never been a moment when, when, when the sovereign God has looked down on this earth and done the, I don't know what to do. You know, like when you talk to parents that are raising teenagers and you always hit this moment where you're like, I don't know, everything I say, everything we do, I don't know. I don't know what to do. There's a moment as parents, true? When you're like, I don't know. That's never happened with God. Never. He's never looked at your life or on the things happening on this planet and been confused. And by the way, I think there's only been like 250 years in human histories where, we, where the planet hasn't been at war over something. It kind of seems like since the fall of humanity, we've found things to fight about. And to kill people over. I remember growing up listening to my dad go off about politics. That means it was happening in the 80s. Anybody, 
remember the 60s? Was it happening? 40s? 1800s? We're products of a reformation. We're called protesters. We fought things. And it happened before then. And by the way, we're going to have all of this climate leading up to the midterms. Then we're going to have about six months of arguing about what happened at the midterms. Then we're going to turn our attention to the election. We're going to fight about that. Then we're going to have about six to eight months of fighting about whoever got elected at that. And then we're going to turn our attention to the midterms. And then we're going to fight about that. And then we're going to have six And it's never going to stop. Don't get in the boat. Some of you are in the boat by intention. Our God is not confused. And he's not a political party. He's the sovereign, almighty God over all things. And by the way, no matter how you vote, I don't care. If whatever political party you're into... If they won every policy, guess what? There still wouldn't be peace on earth. Because peace is not a policy. Peace is not an agenda. Peace can't be bought with money. Peace can't be found just in the right relationship. Peace can't be found in your calendar or in your job. Peace is a person Isaiah said, the Messiah will be the prince of peace, the one who ushers in a new reality that now the only way to have holistic peace is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And until the day he returns, you're going to have storms, man. It's going to happen. The grace is not that God is going to calm every storm. The grace is he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be in the boat. Always. Always. Jesus said that the what I give to you is not going to be like the world gives. What the world likes to give, do is tie us up in knots. Have you heard that phrase? Like it's like knots in my stomach. Or when you're going through something mentally, it's like, ah, I'm all, I'm all twisted up. The world ties us up in knots. Makes us feel like things are out of control. You know it because when it's happening, because it hijacks your holistic peace, meaning all of a sudden you're emotionally thrown into it or mentally thrown into it or physically thrown into it. And then it works on our spiritual side where we might even get to the point where you go, I don't know if God cares. That's how you know you're right in the midst of the throw of it is when you start calling out the character of God like somehow he's taking a nap on your life. See, Jesus, he's the master of untwining the knot, working that thing out. And this kind of peace that Jesus offers us is yours. It says in Scripture that it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. Peace is a person, that person lives in us. And why would Jesus offer us a gift if we can't live through it? 
This peace is yours at all times. How do you access this peace? Well, Paul says it's only accessible through prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which is greater than our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in the promises and truths of Jesus Christ. Like there's some of you that just, maybe you need to watch a little less news and pray a little more. Maybe a little less social media, a little more supplication. Maybe a little less talking about it with others and a little more talking about it with Him. Maybe a little less thinking, a little more praying. Because there's a ramification of it in our life. The byproduct of a life of being afraid is anxiety, doubt, worry. You're in turmoil. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, come on, say it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That sounds to me like a peaceful life. It's yours. You can't earn it. You can only receive it and then live through it. Peace. First off, peace with God. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You have peace with God. You're, you're in a constant state of God's favor, with God's favor. Like right now as he looks at you, he's like, man, I'm so madly in love with you. I'll move mountains for you. I don't care what boat you get in, I'll hump it in that boat too. Like a good, a good parent with a kid where they just look at him and they're like, I got you. You're mine. That's God. That's favor with God. He loves you through Jesus Christ. When he looks at you, he sees a beloved son and daughter. He loves you. You have peace with God. He's not against you. He's for you. But his goal is not to just give you a storm-free, comfortable life where everything goes good in this life. His goal is to bring you home to himself. And sometimes God uses storms to get you to pay attention to the one in the boat. To get our eyes off of false gods. Like what, you think more money going to bring you more peace? That, that relationship, it's going to bring you peace? If you can just figure out your calendar, get some more time. Once we get the kids out of school, get them off to college. Once I retire, oh, can't wait, right? Nah, man, peace is not a, an abstract. It's a person available to you now and always, and then you're going to see him face to face. That would be perfect peace. Peace with 
God leads to peace with others. You've got to fight with people, man. Put the stones down. Calm down. Jesus changed the world, and the way he calls us to change the world is by washing feet, not chucking stones. Go wash some feet. You want to serve Jesus? Go love somebody. Stop yelling at him. You hear me? Step into it. You're a Christian. You know what Christian means? Little Christ. So represent well. But it leads to peace with others. Finally, brothers, sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And then peace with others and also peace in ourselves. Some of you got to forgive yourself. Bring those knots to Jesus. Lay them down. Hold yourself loosely. Hold on to him tightly. You're going to make a ton of mistakes. He didn't ask you to be perfect. He asked you to be honest with it. Bring it to him. Some of you just beat yourself up so bad. Be at peace, man. He lives in you. He can't inhabit unholy things. So if he's inhabiting you, apparently you're forgiven. So what do you do with that? Don't beat yourself up. Praise him. Praise him. And then we pray for peace on earth. What does that mean? Well, this comes when Jesus was born. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace came to earth when Jesus was born. Then when Jesus ascended, he sent his peace. Where? Two thumbs, point them at yourself. We are the peace of God on earth. It's in his church, his body. And it it won't ever be complete until Jesus comes again. Finally crushing the head of Satan, putting all things that lead to lack of peace into the grave. But until then, the only way that the peace of God extends across this planet is us, the church. So if we're fighting, what hope does the world have? So today I want to just encourage you guys. Encourage you, man. God loves you. He loves his church. He is for you. He's with you. He's in the boat. May you have peace. No matter what storms are going on in your life, have peace because the peace is in the boat with you. And in all things, may God give you the gift of protecting your heart and minds and the truth and promises that He is with you. So go in His peace. Amen? Amen. This song is called God Alone. And it helps us understand how sometimes we try and control things when really we need to realize that God is in control. He has his promises will be fulfilled. He loves us. And when troubles come, we we can turn to him. We can trust in him. This was written about three years ago by Daniel Hartzheim, Anna DeLay, my wife, Ton, and myself. And anyway, I hope it is a blessing to you.
God. 